June 6, 2021. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
Pedro Show, happy Tuesday. Start off John Coltrane, live. 1961, every time we say goodbye to Mason Jones, is what if. Brother Matt, I got to see him. Brother Vince is a couple days ago, first time, 16 months. We're going to start a project. Pictures from the Pleasure Point. But in the meantime, here's Watt and this bad. But I'm not totally man alone, people, because those Skype engineers in Estonia with their software. Mason Jones, welcome aboard, Mason. Thank you. We played, Very uh, happy to be here. Yeah, music from you that you uh, floated. You floated me a whole bunch of good stuff. And this is called What If. But uh, right. but ellipse, not question mark. So it's like, it's going to be what if. It's no, 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 no question about it. <laughs> now, I'm That's interested right. in your journey through music. So please bring me your earliest musical recollection, Mason. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I like like most kids, I guess, I played around with a bunch of different instruments when I was young and uh, sort of settled on the guitar for a bit and then kind of quit guitar for all of high school because I uh, kind of shifted from just noodling around to taking some music lessons and classical lessons and somehow it t- took the fun out of it for just a little bit. Yeah, but then, but, uh, can we go back a little further? Like, like before yeah, you started yeah. fucking playing, like what's your the earliest impression music went on you? Yeah, it's funny. My parents were not super, super into music that much, okay. but uh, like the you know the first album I remember buying yeah, was with, with your own money, Sergeant Pepper's. Ah, Beatles. Yeah, and a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Pretty dense record. And, and the first yeah. gig you went and saw, Mason? First gig I went to see <laughs> was uh, actually not till college um, with my wife before she was my wife. Uh, New Wave Days. We went to see The Fix. <laughs> Whoa, with two X's. <laughs> yep. <Okay>. yep. <laughs> New Wave Days. You didn't see a gig till college. Okay, you know. Yeah. Like Orson Welles said, no wine before it's time. Right. So, so I mean, Joe Biza started guitar at 27 years old. You know, uh, I think Vincent painted only his last 10 years of his life. So, uh, you know, whenever it happens, it happens. So yeah. I, 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 I'm supposing then, which is dangerous, but yeah. in, in school, the choir, marching band, you didn't do that shit. I I didn't. You know. Oh, well, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Now, what? But you said you did get on the guitar. Now, how'd that happen? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, like like lots of kids, I was just experimenting with with different stuff when I was growing up. Uh, you know, doing all these different things, and somehow one of them was uh, was taking some guitar lessons, and I, I really liked it. You know, I was just like strumming chords and doing you know full. Okay, now how'd you get this guitar? Was it at the pad or was it a gift to you? Wow, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think my parents got it for me. Probably because of those lessons, I guess. Yeah, it's just a cheapo acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, but you liked it, so maybe a good teacher. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I was doing it at the at the Y uh, when I was living in Michigan. What part? Uh, Ann Arbor. Well, Stooges Town. You know, uh, yeah. if I was with you in person, you'd probably show me your right hand. And you would point, right? Show you exactly where I'm from. You that, bet. That's what Michiganers do, right? They say, yeah, they got it right on their fucking hand there. And uh, 
Exactly. Yeah, I spent some time in Ann Arbor staying with Ronnie a few times. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I drove, drove through Ypsilanti, which is actually uh, next door and where Ink's from. But yeah. yeah, a big college town. It's pretty much the only thing there, yeah. Right, but uh, a lot of music, right? That's where Jay Mascus asked me to call up Ronnie and say, come on down, and we brought him on tour. The bl- It was called The Blind Pig. Oh, I remember the blind pig. You bet. Which is kind of a generic name for speakeasy, but this pad, that was actually its name. Yeah. I remember there was one in Champaign, Illinois I played, too, with that name. So so what about the thing after school, not like graduate, but the afternoon, the bedroom band, the basement band, the garage band? Did you do that? Not in high school, but uh, in college started to do that, you bet. Uh, that's when I picked the guitar up again. Because uh, I was living in the dorm in Ann Arbor and uh, walking around and there were a couple of guys jamming in one of the rooms. And I was like, I, I should do that again. So I, <laughs> I grabbed the guitar again and, and just started uh, sitting in with them and just jamming Terrible blues, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was kind of like a practice band, not really gigs. Not yet, not at that time. No. Okay, so when you finally do a band, is it your band or do you join somebody's band? I started recording before I started playing out. Oh, okay, man alone. Yeah, just doing doing my thing. Uh, you know, having friends like contribute stuff, but really is doing my own recordings. So I didn't do my first show till I moved out to San Francisco. Now, now, when you say recording, was it like a, a four-track cassette or something? You got it. Yeah. I yep. <laughs> I didn't know it, but it was a good guess. Oh, yeah. So you were actually doing sound on sound and having your buddies. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I started discovering all this weird music uh, out there and realized that I could kind of try doing it too um, and just started recording on the four-track. So, you got infected. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got, and I can I can point to where it came from, which okay. is a, a record store in Ann Arbor that I was so lucky to have. Yeah. The store called School Kids. School Kids. There's a famous picture of D Boom wearing one of their shirts. Yeah, that store man. I I didn't really appreciate it at the time as much as I should have, but whoever the hell was doing the buying there. I, I owe them so much. So, yeah. So, you know, I, look, without the movement, I, I don't even think there would have been about uh, the Minutemen. I mean, it's important you develop your own voice, but there's something about a scene, huh? about people getting together. You, you get infected. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was weird in Ann Arbor because I didn't find that much going on. There was some at the radio station, for sure, the U of M radio station. But yeah. it wasn't really until I moved to san francisco that i found more people to kind of you know i found a scene you know right well you know 70s punk they were probably second only to new york city they're much bigger than our scene up in hollywood right yeah maybe because you know things are close i think it's seven miles across right seven by seven Yeah, yeah the city so maybe jamming people and then a lot of cats it's sort of like the brooklyn thing right where there hardly anybody's from there that's like kind of yeah, uh, yeah, with it, right? Because <laughs> usually, you t- if you're around something like that growing up, you take it for granted. It's usually the the immigrant, right? The newcomer who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah right. So, yeah. 
right when you get to the city, you know, Klaus Floride told me the day he got there from Boston, he answered an ad and he was in the Dead Kennedys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, second day. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? Did it, did it take a little while to start playing with people? Man, it, it, it didn't really, you know. <clears throat> I, I moved here because, partly because of um, research, Industrial Culture Handbook. Ah, so that's um, why you went to school, not 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 a music major. Um, right, I, and and then I, I found the research book about industrial music, the Industrial Culture Handbook. Oh, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was so much in, in, from San Francisco, right? You know, survival research labs and Mike right, right. and Target you know, all video. this stuff. You know, there, clearly. Shit was happening in San Francisco, so you know I wanted to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, at this point you're just a guitar man, but that's but but doing. Were you using kind of the tape recorder as an instrument too? Yeah, um, you know, sam- sampling quote unquote stuff. You know, uh, taking weird sound effects, putting them on tape, and then moving them around, putting them in the right place. Cheapo keyboards playing drums on a cardboard box or a can or whatever, you know, well, whatever I could, you know, I didn't have, you know, cardboard, cardboard box, snare drum, Eddie, yeah. Cock, Eddie Cochran, summertime blues on that track. Really? He, he could not get a good sound with the real snare drum. So he used, yeah, I read about this years ago. <laughs> I want to play something that you, you sent me, uh, an excerpt from some, a piece called permanence.
Oh, <laughs> 
from Peter's show. That chunk of music started with Mason Jones and an excerpt from his piece, Permanence, which I was enlightened to the fact it's a whole side of an album, people. So that's why we got the excerpt. Well, that ain't stopped other people from, like, flowing on me big time. Uh, <laughs> brand new from Victor Timofiev uh, from Latvia, uh, Portal of Zin 1. I guess there's a number 2 also. Uh, brand new. And uh, from P uh, Pat Kane, Pete Kane's new uh, solo album, a, a tune called Cranky, Righteous Record. Sam Lockward out of Iowa City with Reverie. His buddy Bob Bucko from near, uh, Junior, Bob Bucko Jr., no disrespect to his father. Nearby Dubuque, license registration. Then Rambutown, this is uh, Parallel System, System 18, featuring Mike Griffin, Jefferson Pitcher, Howard Seltzer, no, Stelzer. Howie Stelzer, yeah. Yeah, yeah my fucking, forgive me. Uh, Todd Lent and Eric Hardiman. And, and then finally, uh, a proj, you flow me, Mason, a Culper Ring. Uh, I guess track three, TRKA3? Yeah, yeah. There were, the tracks on that one didn't, we, we didn't give them titles. Everything just kind of flowed together. We put some breaks in the album. So, uh, Back in Ann Arbor, just to back up just a little bit, did you do any performances, any gigs? I didn't, no. Okay, um, okay. 
Yeah. So your first ones are in the city. Can you tell me yeah. about the first one? <clears throat> yeah, the very first one, which was actually just reissued on a, a CD um, from uh, uh, Tronics Records down in L.A., actually. Uh, a <clears throat> little bit after I moved here, I hooked up with a, a bunch of people, partly through uh, Subterranean Records and just oh, yeah. the, the folks hanging out around there. And one of them was uh, Eldon M. from uh, Allegory Chapel Limited, uh, who was also working at Subterranean. And he and I just immediately started uh, working together. And so the very first show was was under the name I was using at the time, Trance. And uh, I asked oh, him to yeah. join me. You, you gave me some, but I didn't know the chronology, so I got it at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no problem. It's fun to, to do it all in, in different order. <laughs> Oh, what an idiot. Hey, can I ask you, the boss of Subterranean, did he become a stand-up comedian? No, no, not Steve, although I, I could have seen that. He was the most deadpan <laughs> guy I've ever known. <laughs> Somebody told me that one of those guys became like a stand-up comedian or some, some shit. Maybe I got it fucked up. That's the trippy thing about Alzheimer's. So, so you say your first gig is actually coming out on a record? Now, now what was this gig? The gig came out, uh, came out on on a CD a reissue of some old live stuff uh, just a couple of months ago. Okay, well, tell and, me about uh, the moment. I mean, what, were you, was it a pants shitter? No, it, it was it was kind of low stress because it was friends, you know. Okay. Uh, okay. My my friend Rick Rees was uh, organizing some shows at a, a bar, kind of out near the water. Uh, called Olive Oils here in San Francisco. Uh, just doing a series of sort of free music, noise, free jazz, and whatever. And uh, asked me if I wanted to play. And I was like, yeah, this seems like, you know, time to do my first show. What the hell? And what did uh, you bring? A bunch of, like, big suitcase full of stuff? Uh, let's see. For that one, I had my guitar and a couple of effects and this piece of um, wrought iron railing with a contact mic on it for percussion. Okay, and it was a one-man band? It was me, no, it was me and uh, my friend Eldon from Allegory. Oh, Chapel. yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Okay. He joined in. Um, he always does uh, uh, crazy noise sampling stuff. So what, did he have a pewter, a uh, crap top? He, nah, not back then. No, oh, no yeah, that's right. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> See, it was that it, it was kind of cool, right? You couldn't right. Uh, couldn't do that. So now he had a, a you know sampling keyboard. Um, I forget which one. Okay. But uh, yeah, he would use that. And, and, and you guys... it, was, it was great to have you know, have someone else on the on the show with me rather than my first show being purely solo. You know, that right. would have been too nerve wracking. And, and and the material was it improvised or did you guys work out a bunch of pieces? Totally improvised. Okay. Well, I would have been scared, but you said it was low stress. Okay. It was. It was, yeah, because I was playing for friends. For friends, yeah, that makes a big difference. Well, sometimes I remember being in Little League and having to pit bat against your friends. Was, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it depends, different. It depends that's on different. how competitive the friends are. Right, right, because right, music shouldn't be like sports. Totally. Well, except for fusion. <laughs> <laughs> and you cut each other with John Coltrane like an asshole. Okay. <laughs> So, so uh, uh, all those recordings you were making in Ann Arbor. Now, uh, like you say, this thing is has been re-released. Did you start putting this stuff out? 
Back when I was in Ann Arbor, I released a couple of cassettes. I was getting into the cassette culture and trading trading tapes with people and picking stuff up and just seeing what was what was happening out there. So I did a few tapes before moving out here, and then uh, yeah, a few more tapes before doing my first CD. When, when you say in the cassette scene, mm-hmm. uh, are you talking about like Al Margolis? Yep. Oh, yeah, Al and uh, <laughs> our records and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, man! It's it's trippy. I've been meeting all these cats who know each other a long time, and part, yeah. of, part of a fabric. Okay, okay. And so when you come out to the city, uh, well, now you're going to start doing gigs, but then you're still part of this thing and putting out the cassettes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and how how how'd that develop? So. I started meeting more and more people, you know, obviously going to gigs here and playing gigs and meeting more people and decided uh, to put out a a compilation. I was getting really into kind of experimental percussion based stuff. And so I decided to do a compilation of a bunch of people doing that style. Um, And someone talked me into doing a CD. So that was the first CD I pressed up and, kind of turn my little tape label into a real label. Also, uh, you, you also had a label. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, and then that, 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 that first gig with the rod iron rail and the contact, that was per, you doing percussion. Yeah, yeah, doing percussion and guitar, kind of switching. Right, 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 right. Did you do them at the same time, or, or was one or the other? At that time, it was one or the other. I wasn't, like... You know, a, a clever looping kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think back then, right, Nell's client told me there was something called the 16-second, some kind of box that you could get the longest. You know, of course, it wasn't digital yet, but. Right, I don't remember a 16-second one, but I've got, I still got this old uh, Digitech delay that would do eight seconds at super low res, crappy sounds. Yeah, this was, <laughs> <laughs> this was, uh. I think Memory Man was another version. These are were electroharmonics, uh, yeah. I think. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But you know the the the, the dynamic in person sound on sound thing, right? I know yeah. nowadays there's all kinds of digital stuff, and Petra she'll like layer up eight nine of her voices, you know, and she's got the perfect pitch, and it's like a whole fucking choir. It's incredible. Awesome. Yeah, but 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 okay, the guitar. Who was some of your influences? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was first starting out, it's it's probably not too surprising that you know Hendrix, right? Obviously, yeah, Jimmy. You know, not not so much the first album or so, but like Axis, Bold as Love, and Electrically, yeah. and the experimental. Stuff. Right, right, right. We're spending a lot of time in the studio. I think that first record he did really quick. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely more of a you know, hey, give us a, a cool rock record, with, and it's an awesome <laughs> rock record. Uh, but but yeah, he you know, once he could kind of spread out and spend some time in the studio, right? I think it, Jack right? Cassidy's on some of those recordings playing bass, yeah. and, and even Jimmy played some bass, like an eight. I heard he played an eight string Hagstrom on Third Stone from the Sun. Yeah, yeah, or something like that. I don't know for sure. There's so many Jimmy stories. The, the great one is uh, Dick Lloyd, you know, the guy in television. If you read his book, Combustible Everything or whatever, like Jimmy socks him out, like two in the gut, really? one in the face. Then he started uh, a couple hours later, he saw him in his yellow Corvette. And he was crying and so sorry that he did that. 
I think he was 17 <laughs> years old. Uh, Dick Floyd. Yeah. You know, oh, well. getting socked up by Jimmy. I mean, <laughs> that's worth it, right? To have the yeah. story. <laughs> okay. And, 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 and what about, were you listening to stuff like uh, Throb and Gristle? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> thanks again to School Kids Records in Ann Arbor. I started uh, finding a bunch of stuff. Me and my best friend were uh, just buying stuff that, you know, the name rang a bell or the cover looked right or something. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's how I got everything from uh, the first Swans album to Test Department uh, to the first Carolina album, actually. It was in that crazy box with all this weird shit in there, rabbit poop and everything in a bag. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? And, and the music was so surreal. So Yeah, yeah something about a record it. store, huh? Something about yeah. a record store. Look, look, Mason, we're at the end of the first hour, July 6, 2021, the Peter Show special guest, Mason Jones. Hold tight for hour two. June 6, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watch for Pedro show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Now, I've, I've, I've mispronounced this name already, people, a couple of episodes ago. We had Chris uh, Cones. In fact, last episode, we played this uh, whole tape of his... Uh, something with an R. <laughs> it was Skullraker, though. But anyway, these guys were bandmates, people, and, and it's a part of the brain. Subarachnoid space. Subarachnoid yeah. space. See, if I hear it from yeah, the master, a... I can learn. And a tune called Burn Shot. Then we had Ben Salter from Tasmania with Bad Luck. Dangerous Guy after that from Lucas Sabella. And, and then and something else from Subarachnoid space. Just called C. Yep. Explain this project, Mason. Yeah, so I, I started Subarachnoid Space in 96 when uh, I, I wanted to kind of shift back from doing lots of noise stuff to doing noise in a rock context. Uh, and I was setting up a lot of shows for friends in Japan coming over, a lot of really cool psychedelic-type bands. And so... I thought, well, if I if I had a band that could play with them, they could use our gear when they come over, and that would be super convenient, uh, and it'd be a fun project to work on. So, kind of inspired by Fushitsusha and Skullflower and you know early Sonic Youth type stuff, started Subarachnoid Space. Now, the the was it just a two man band? Because one of the cats, at least, was Chris Cones. He was briefly in it, yeah. Um, and that was kind of as he was in it at the time that I was shifting out of it. Um, but he was, you know, he was around. Now, now it was your band, but you left like, like Pete Frampton leaving Humble Pie? Yeah. So I, I started it. It was a three piece originally, and there was a four piece before we started playing out, uh, added a second guitarist. And after about, oh, what was it like seven years or so, nine albums, uh, it was moving in a direction that wasn't quite my thing, but was super cool. And it was a pretty good time for me to start playing out a little bit less and touring a little bit less. So I just said, you know, you, you guys keep on, keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, which was great. You know who wrote that to me on a little paper and gave to somebody who gave it to me? John Fogarty. Right when, <laughs> yeah, when D Boone got killed, I, I got this oh, from yeah. this kid at a gig. Here, John Fogarty told me to give you this, and so That's I, cool. put, yeah, I put it on the label of this record. If and but uh, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, when I met D Boone, the only rock band he knew was Creedence, so that meant a lot to get that from him. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, okay, here's another prod you gave me, Numinous Eye. Yep. Yeah, that was actually my sort of continuation of what I was doing in Subarachnoid Space uh, when I left that band. I started Numinous Eye as a sort of, I don't know, low-stress low kind of thing. It's basically been mostly me and whatever drummer is around. Okay. Uh, Two-piece two guitar and drums uh, making noise. And stay local in the city. Maybe not as many gigs, no touring. Yeah, just a little bit of touring. Uh, done, done a couple of tours in Japan. Okay.
Watt for Pedro Show. Started that chunk of music, the Numinous Eye. I wish they'd stop smiling like that. Then the <laughs> brand <laughs> We'll get into song titles in a sec. Uh, Sophia, uh, Sophie du, du Palais, brand new, slow, steady cup. DK after that, not Dead Kings, people. This is overseas. Echo Chamber, initials for this cat. And then, uh, again, Numinous Eyes with Building Dreams. And uh, yeah. so with instrumental music, what, what, what about titles? Yeah, yeah. I, I love coming up with the titles. Um, the more surreal, the better. Because what I do is I, I always have the music first, and then I'm trying to figure out what the title is. And I'll just listen to it and see what floats through my brain, you know? Okay. Um, you know, sometimes it'll be scary. Sometimes it'll be peaceful. But, you know, something comes along. But you're trying to let that that piece musically inform you. Definitely, yeah, yeah. It's got to be whatever it's telling me. Right, right. Now, can I get, get before that? What about usual? Or maybe you have many different ways for composing. Yeah, um, an awful lot of my stuff is improv. Uh, just you know, seeing what comes, uh, recording everything, and then throwing away the stuff that sucks. Ah, so editing's a big process. For sure, yeah, yeah. From you know, back when um, when I started Subarachnoid Space, the first couple of albums were just uh, stereo DAT recordings in our practice space. We would just record everything, and then when there was enough good stuff uh, edited out, then there was an album. Wow, yeah, uh, kind of like my baseline. Start off with too much, start whittling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but you know. Why not? It, it's uh, the other way's harder. A carpenter would tell you. You know, removing the wood is one thing, but trying to put it back, no. <laughs> so yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Now I'm gonna guess you're not using a click track. Nah. <laughs> and uh, and harmonically, like I heard you use some t terms like noise. Well, let's get semantic about it. When when does it? leave noise and become not noise yeah um of course it's just an opinion mason i, I ain't gonna know you there. for sure and, and it's an interesting thing i've talked to a lot of people about um you know for some people it's when as soon as there's any structure it's not noise ah. so if there's, if there's a rhythm there's not noise if there's a a repetitive motif. Then I was just going to ask you that. If yeah. that was one of the ground things, repetition, or, or or another opinion question, repetition, an enemy of improvisation. Oh, it's it can be for sure because it's too easy to fall back on repetition when improvising because you're not sure of what to do next. And that can end up making things mighty boring for the audience, right? Yeah. You know, strategies we develop in grade school when the teacher calls on you, you ask to repeat the question, not because you didn't hear it. You're buying time. <laughs> so yep. it's, it's kind of like treading water, right? And you're doing it at the listener or the gig goer's expense. Totally. Okay. So you, you say there's a responsibility that you owe a gig goer. Even even if it's you know, I I, I remember uh, doing this gig and we're sharing the, the 
it's two different stages, two different chambers, but the same pad, uh, ancient Belgique in Brussels. And it's, it's fucking Amin Ali and his father, Rashid. <laughs> no pressure. Wow. I mean, yeah, Rashid was wearing a turtle shell on his head for a half. And, but, but Amin goes, you know, Amin quit bass. He don't do anything anymore. But he says to me, this is one of these gigs where you just make it up. And like I'm thinking, that makes it easier? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always been allergic to learning songs and repeating them. Um, that was one of the one of the good stresses, I think, in subarachnoid space after the first little while. The, the first several years where everything was purely improv. Um, and then we started to develop some structures that we could use. And then we started to develop songs that had more structure, but still lots of free space inside. And finding that balance was super, super hard. Um, yeah. I hate oh, playing yeah. the same thing over and over and over. It's just not what works for me. No, and, and also I think, uh, you know, being influenced by Jimmy. Jimmy never, if you listen to the bootlegs, he's never doing them songs live the same way. Right, and right. Then they had that motherfucker on a treadmill, right? Feeding him speed, making him do all. But he still tried to innovate as much as he could. Beautiful man. Yeah. Beautiful man. But you're right, the search of the balance, because there's no golden yardstick out there. Right, and, and if you don't have some structure to work with your co-members with yeah then it's really easy to suddenly realize you like you were saying you, you just we just wasted half an hour of the audience's time because we didn't know what the hell we were doing because we, <laughs> we got lost yeah right? it, it, it happens and it's hard yeah yeah i can I, th I can imagine a lot of it's about listening look we're at the end of the second hour june Nope, July 6, 2021. This is Peter's special guest, Mason Jones. Hold tight for our thing. July 6, 2021. It's the third hour of the Walk from Pedro show.
Rob for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour. Collision stories. Yet another prize. Nathan Jones. And this is an excerpt of Antlub Obscurity. Number one. Then I took yep. your name out of Netherlands, Human Catterpoint. It's a great name for a band. I took your name. Okay. <laughs> and Mike Cooper after that. Wetropolis. Wet uh, Jalan Durian. Yeah, incredible guitar man, Mike Cooper. Uh, egregious Phil's Bin. Well, pun rock there, huh? Uh, Wampa Seta, the balls to the walls version. And finally, another prod from Mason Jones. Another excerpt also. Noise Birds with a dance loved by a lost friend. So enlighten us to these two projects, Mason. Yeah, so Noise Birds is a um, project with my friends from Suisha no Fune from Tokyo. Fune, boat. Yep, yep. Crystal ship. Ah, okay. Yeah. And um, also a door song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I've, I've known them for you know, for years and years. Uh, and uh, my drummer, my most common drummer, uh, Mike Schoen, and I have played with them a, a couple of times and done some shows with them in Japan. And uh, they were over here a couple of years ago, and um, we grabbed some time in our practice space and just set up recording gear and, and recorded um, what turned out to be really great stuff. So um, that came out on an album in the UK uh, last year. And that's a, an excerpt from the kind of the longest track on there. Now you said you've, you've, you've played over there. One time I did a tour, 22 gigs, 22 days. It's, it's hard to tour over there, but I got to tell you, good sound at the live houses. Oh, yeah, yeah, these tiny places with massive sound systems, right? <laughs> you look gigantic. Good systems in these tiny pads. Yep, yep. Yeah, really, really. Yeah, they, they, you know, they really take care to do it right. Okay. And so, but this is the other side. Instead of you guys going over there and doing crystal ship, they came here and did Noise Birds? Yeah, so Noise Birds is the name that, that we came up with for uh, for the four of us playing together. Okay, and, and Collision Stories. Collision story. So a, a little while back, you had uh, Michael Gendreau uh, yeah, on your yeah. show. And so Michael's in Collision Stories with me. Oh, with uh, the turntables? He does a little bit of everything, but turntables very commonly. Doing just amazing, amazing sound crafting, using the turntables as the uh, kind of the sound source. Um, and I Is he like uh, the foundation in that project? We are super, super equal in that thing. Okay. Um, well, what, so about, Brian, what, what about with improv? Is it always like who's going to go first kind of thing? It it can be, right? Um, so all the Collision Story stuff is totally improv. We just set up and start playing. And it we've kept it going for quite a while because it's one of those quartets that just sort of worked from day one where we had a natural – way of listening to each other and with four people there will often be one or even two who just aren't doing anything at the moment just kind of listening and waiting yeah it's you know finding the right time for the right thing is the key yeah 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 like like writing a script in real time as you're doing it for, for people yeah it's trip uh um, yeah okay we're going to get to trance what are your first things <laughs> finally yeah. at the end cool. of the show and cool. uh, I didn't know the Colonel. I'm so sorry, Mace. And this is film at 11. I remember like, like the, the talking heads on the TV, right? 
Film at yep. 11.
for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Film at 11 from Trance. And then we had from Brighton, England. This is part one of two. Tomorrow we'll play second part. First part. Project called Day Glow Explodent Super Infinite. This is uh, Carl and Wow. Yeah, that's a little psychedelia. And, and the, the tune's called In the Stormlight, The Spores Tell Me Something Secret. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> See titles, right? And, yeah, and then totally. you don't have to worry about fucking anything to coincide with the lyrics because there ain't, you know, that, that's that's what I mean. There's something about titles in instrumental music that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, Trance, All the Mirrored Ways. Yeah, that one's getting into my uh, sort of orchestral period. <laughs> no, tell us about Trance. Yeah, Trance was. was um, pretty much the first band name that I, uh, you know, that I used for my stuff, uh, starting around, was it, 80, 87? Um, and I used that for a good while, going through sort of industrial rock songs into noise, into sort of orchestral stuff, so that all the Myriad Ways track was when I was playing around with keyboards and samplers and doing almost soundtracky type stuff. So, oh, you mean like the string sessions at the synth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I was just experimenting with a lot of different stuff at the time, trying to figure out how to how to fit it all together. And trance was the name that I used until I, I had to give up using trance because techno and raves came right, along. Right, it turned into a like, whole fucking genre name, right? They, they stole, the, yeah, the whole meaning from me. <laughs> the same thing happened to me. I had a buddy. Hey, why don't I want you to, 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 to come here? experience some drum and bass so he brings me up to west what? hollywood and yeah it's two guys in a sweater and you know, when sweaters <laughs> work in these machines there's like no bass players no 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 You're no, like, no drum. Bass, man. <laughs> I was, but it was kind of interesting it was so fucking impossible to do even if you tried the kick drum patterns were like there's no way a drummer could have played this shit and the bass right. notes were like 256 notes you know shit Right. <laughs> I was like, wow. But but the whole idea of the genre name of the name, so you had to like drop the name because you got bum rushed by a big segment of the society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was good though, yeah. Time for a change anyway. Okay, but you never envisioned trance music as like a dance thing, right? No. You never. know, I was helping Porter for Powers, and I asked a pair of the singer man about those yeah. genre names, you know? Like, how do you know what chill wave is a pair? And how do you know what, whatever. Oh, there's so many. Crush vibe. And he goes, Mike, Mike, it's easy. It's all the BPM. <laughs> I was, I was, okay. <laughs> I guess. Humans are so funny. You know, I want to be me. I want to be me. How? Just like you. <laughs> right. Well, not not me. You mean him that looks kind of like her that kind of looked like him, kind of you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in this perpetual uh, trippy kind of thing of wanting to belong when, yeah, we know it's kind of jive in a way. Like a shortcut, right? A name. I uh, We had a cat on, Aiden Baker from uh, Berlin. Nice oh, man. Sure. Yeah, yeah, nice man. And he and I asked him about this thing. Why? Because he says he puts tags on the names of his music for the internet. And he says that's how people know how to find it. I said, you don't want to surprise people. <laughs> yeah, like on Bandcamp, right? Yeah, you, you put the <clears throat> put some labels on it to make it easier for people to find the connections. And it 
it helps the algorithm, right? Helps organize the ghettos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all tribal, right? It's all just well, like but, tribal well, in nature. Well, what about another understanding uh, that music is music, and maybe that's nonsense. <laughs> maybe I'm just putting it out there. Music is music for sure. I mean, you know, it's not like I listen to just the same thing every day, right? I can imagine. Yeah. No, the way listening to what you do, you, you must, yeah. Like you got bit, right? When you were young and, and it just never went away. And it's a beautiful thing. It's inspiration. So honored to have you on the show, Mason. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you. Okay, right back. And uh, any other new stuff and shit, come back on the show. Let's listen and talk about it. Absolutely, yeah. Well, got, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, best place is uh, charnel.com. That's C-H-A-R-N-E-L.com. That's that's my my label. It's pretty quiet these days, but it's it's my label, and it'll bring you to uh, all the links to my Right, stuff. it's your site. It's like having your own fancy. Thanks so much, yeah. really, truly. Let's keep on Thank keeping you. on. <laughs> Likewise. People, yes, sir. People, it's been a July 6, 21. Nope, 2021 edition one for Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.